Let me see your mouth. Let me see your mouth. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on. Ferris. See, there's nothing in there. There's nothing in my mouth. So you weren't eating a cookie? No, I'm not. Really? What's that? That's a cookie. Really? So you weren't eating it? Yeah. I was. So what was in your mouth? There was a cookie in there. There was a cookie in your mouth? Yeah. Oh, but you weren't eating the cookie? Yeah, I was. You were eating the cookie. And it was being nice to me. The cookie was being nice to you? No, you. I was being nice to you. Yeah, I was. Oh, are you trying to butter me up so I forget that you ate a cookie and then told me you didn't? Yeah. Oh, well, it's not working. Oh, you got to love her honesty in the lie, don't you? Oh, that's so fun. That's so fun. Hey, I'm Josh, one of the ministers. Welcome to Clear Creek. If this is your first time, welcome to the family. We do want you to know that we consider you family, and we're so glad to get to celebrate Jesus together today. You're here on a great Sunday because we're in the middle of a series called Summer in the Psalms, looking at this beautiful collection of 150 hymns, Psalms, songs of praise, of lament, of celebration that show us who God is, who we are, and how life works, and sometimes what to do when life doesn't work. And today we're looking at Psalm 96, which really is an answer to the video we just looked at. And I really want to tee it up this way. The reason I show you that is because maybe here's the way to ask it. Have you, and don't, don't raise your hand, but have you ever been caught in a lie? Oh, raise your hands. Man, I love the honesty. You guys are good. <laughs> That's even better. Have you ever been in a moment where maybe you, you said something and as soon as the words leave your mouth, you go, oh no. And you're left with like two options now. Option A is you now have to come clean immediately, Mark, right? It's like, oh, I got to just let it out now before I build it too bad. Or what do you do? Time to keep doubling down, dig that hole, build the fortified wall of lies. You keep it up because now you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. You're like, oh no, what do I do? I was thinking about it earlier this week and watching this little girl. Sometimes the lies, they aren't really that big in the sense that maybe they don't seem to have big consequences. You know, maybe it's like eating a cookie and for that little girl, the biggest consequence is she gains a few extra calories on that little stick figure frame. And then other times there are big consequences the fact is, a lie is a lie is a lie. And so what happens is, as little kids, we lie. And I doubt that her mom and daddy said, let me teach you how to lie. Here are the three simple steps for formulating a lie. Step one, step two. You don't have to be taught. But then the consequences come, and so you learn. You get a little older, more sophisticated. And you learn a very simple but very effective tact. That you don't have to tell a lie just don't tell all of the truth. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever had a moment? It's like, I'm not going to lie, but I just will omit a few key details. I think we live in a world that has mastered the art of the truthful lie. Where so many of us have been sort of in the air we breathe, the water we swim, surrounded by it, that we almost don't notice it anymore. But I live and you live in a culture where, isn't it true, it'd be nice if we lived in a black and white world. This is a lie. This is the truth. Man, you turn on the TV, you don't have to parse every question or every word about what's happening overseas. 
Wouldn't it be nice if when a politician says they're going to do something, they actually try to do that thing? And wouldn't it be nice when you're talking to a friend or your spouse or a business partner or someone that you're having to deal with, wouldn't it be nice if you could just know the truth fully 100% and not wonder, are they, are they lying to me or are they just keeping some of the truth from me? Because isn't it true, you don't have to lie to not tell the truth. And so Psalm 96, I think, is a gift for the Lord's church. For in these few 13 verses, the psalmist is going to tell us why the truth is so important. And not only that, what is the truth that is above every other truth? Because, friend, there is one truth above every other truth, every other truth, every other truth, one that sits at the very top of the top. And if we get this, it can change the brokenness of our world. As Jesus says, when we know the truth... The truth will set us free. And so we're told these beautiful things in Psalm 96. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read it this morning? The psalm begins with this beautiful word, sing. Sing to the Lord. And I want you to notice the one fully uppercased word in this passage is what? That's right. Notice how many times it shows up. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the nations are idols. But... The Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his court. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, say these three words with me, will you? The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness. And the people say these three words finally with me, in his truth. Let's pray together. Show us the truth this morning from this beautiful passage, Father. Give us the truth that opens eyes and gives healing. Give us the truth that restores marriages and men's relationships? Would you show us the truth that brings forgiveness of sin? Would you show us the truth, Father, that fixes cities, nations, and the world? May we see the truth and may it not simply be something we know because we know that there's a way to not lie but still not tell the truth. May we know it and may we tell it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So if you're taking notes, let me make it real simple. Don't want to bury the lead. Here it is. This passage tells us to tell the truth. Tell the truth. What truth, Josh, are you saying? Tell the truth. 
about my taxes? Yes, absolutely, but it's a bigger truth than that. Are you saying tell the truth when I've done something wrong? Yes, absolutely. Tell the truth when you've done something wrong, but this truth is bigger than that truth. This is the truth that sits above every other truth in existence, and it is simple four-word truth. Tell the truth that the Lord is king. Next slide. The Lord is king. This is the truth that we are to hear, to know, to share, to proclaim. The Lord is king. This is what the psalmist meant in verse 10 when he said these words. The Lord reigns. Next slide. The Lord reigns. Say among the nations. The Lord reigns. Tell it loud. Tell it proud that the Lord reigns. I love what Dr. James May says about this passage and about this idea of the Lord's reigning. He says, and I quote, the Psalms are the poetry of the reign of the Lord. They are the praise and proclamation and prayer of those who believe that the confession the Lord reigns states, notice this, the basic truth about the world and life lived in it. If you want to understand how the world works and why the world works the way it works, we must understand this fundamental truth. The Lord is king. It is the truth over all other truths. And if we don't get this one, we'll miss everything else, friends. See, in the scriptures, there is a hierarchy that is presented. You might think of it as a pyramid. Now, there's a lot of ways we could break it down. In fact, it could go into five, six, seven, eight different levels. But let's keep it to the four basic levels. These are the hierarchy found in Scripture that explain the way that the world works. It all begins with this fundamental truth at the very top of it all is the Lord. The Lord rules. The Lord reigns. The Scriptures begin with the declaration that the Lord stepped onto the scene. And when he saw nothing, he said, let there be something. And he began to, through the word of his mouth, proclaim how things would be, that darkness would be black, that light would be bright, that men and women would live a certain way, that creation would be formed, that he is above all other things. Now, the next level beneath the Lord is what we would call the angelic beings, the angels, Somewhere between the first verse of Genesis and the second chapter when God creates humanity. Somewhere in there he creates the angels. And you say, why? How do we know that he did that? Well, it's because in chapter 3 there is this one angel that steps into the garden. His name is Lucifer. He's a fallen angel. He was the most beautiful of all the angels, but he wanted to be God himself. And so he left the throne room of heaven and he decided to try to usurp the king's throne by destroying what God loved and created. So God creates the angels. And then beneath them, God then creates humanity, men and women, boys and girls. And by the way, there are only two options, friends. Boys and girls, men and women, and we're told this beautiful promise in Psalm chapter 8 that God created us. And he says, what is man that you're mindful of him, that mankind, you didn't even think about us. You created us a little lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. Friend, I don't know if you know Jesus this morning or not, but I want you to hear this. God made you and crowned you with glory and honor that you have dignity and value intrinsic to who you are, which is why we protect all people unborn and aged alike, because you have been given dignity by the Lord, whether you honor him with your life or not. 
So it begins that at the top is the Lord over all things, then angels, then humans, and then beneath that is nature itself. And so God gives us nature as a means of enjoyment, of celebration. And in all these things, he has set himself above them all. This is the truth, that the Lord reigns over all things. And so the psalmist tells us in in verse 4 and verse 5 these beautiful words. He says, the Lord is to be feared above all gods. The Lord, verse 5, made the heavens. He is above all things. He made all things. This is the fundamental truth. So when you want to know how the world works, you must understand this truth First, let's just talk about some other truths we know. Uh, Quick question. Two plus two equals what? Four. Now, some of you are going, no, 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 Diggs, that's only in the base 10. Okay, math major. We're going to stay with base 10. But 10 or two plus two equals four. Why? It's because when God created everything, he wove into creation logic and mathematics so that now, years and years later, when we would come to the fact that these two things grouped with these two things create four things together, why does it work? It's because God is king over all. The Lord rules and reigns. He is king and said that's how it works. Why do white blood cells protect the body? It's because there is a king who stands over your bodies and designed them and said, you will protect bodies for this purpose and in this way. It's because the Lord is king. Why is it that the sun sits 93 million miles from earth roughly? It's because there's a God who stands above even the most cosmic bodies. And he told the sun, you will be there and you will stay there. And then he told the earth and you will rotate around the sun. Why are these truths true? Because the Lord reigns. The Lord is king over all people, all things, all creation, even concepts like math. He is the king over all things. This is the fundamental truth. And this is the only truth that we need to grasp first and foremost. In fact, if you don't think about any other truth this week, but if you simply let this truth that the Lord is king sit on the tongue of your heart, the savoring of that flavor this week, how much better would our week be? That I don't have to be God because there is one who is already the Lord. In fact, did you notice that word Lord? Uppercase, L-O-R-D. Now, whenever you see the word Lord uppercase in your English Bibles, that is a hint to us English speakers about what that actual Hebrew word is. Every time you see that, that is actually a hint that they're using God's proper name, Yahweh. So when you see Lord, it's not just some generic God that we're talking about here. It's not talking about some God by your design. After all, we are good at making gods in our own images, aren't we? I can't believe in a savior who would demand of me this. So I'll create a savior who doesn't. I cannot believe in a God who would say that. So I will create a God who doesn't say that. But oh no, the truth is that there is one God He is Yahweh, the Lord. It is not, oh, any God will do. Oh, this God is the same as that God. Friends, I want to say this to you. All other religions may claim to worship the one true God, but only Yahweh is the one true God. He is the truth and he is the one king above all kings. The Lord is king and he has revealed himself to us. He has said, this is who I am. Trust me, honor me, love me, because it's how the world works. Do you know the truth? See, here's the fact. A lot of us know this truth, but it's true that we don't have to tell a lie 
not to tell the truth about who God is. So this is how it begins. Now, here's the question. If you wanted to topple a kingdom built on this truth, how would you do it? See, I don't think we'd bring bombs or armies because that will not topple this kingdom. Rather, only a lie can destroy a truth. Only a lie can upend things. And so that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. The enemy entered into the garden. The fallen angel Lucifer, we call him Satan sometimes. And friends, he is real. He's not a figment of your imagination. He's not a myth. There are literal spiritual forces arrayed against the kingdom of God. Great news. It's like a gnat to an el- excuse me. It's a gnat to the universe in comparison to God. But please don't buy the lie that he does not exist. He steps into the scene in Genesis chapter 3 and he begins to whisper these lies. And what was that lie? Hey, you don't have to listen to the Lord for if you do your thing your way, you can be like God. And we bought it, didn't we? Come on, anyone else read the news? Anyone else pay attention to what's going on? Have you noticed that our world has bought the lie, hook, line, and sinker, that the Lord is not king, but anything you want can be the king. And so we live in an upside-down world. We live with a lie world, don't we? Where God, if we even speak of him, he is only spoken of in terms of a genie or a cosmic slot machine. We speak of God only for what he can do, not for who he is. And so in our world, we celebrate things, upside down things. Now we worship nature. We worship humanity. Boy, that was a dumb one to worship. Have you noticed how stupid we are? Some of you are going, oh no, he said the S word in church. Yes, because it's accurate. We are stupid. And we desperately need a God who will show us what is right. So we worship things that cannot save us. We worship nature. We worship humans. We worship angels. Now, maybe we don't call it that. We just say things like, I'm going to manifest what I want. Friends, that is simply the worship of deity by a different name. And so what do you expect when you have an upside down triangle? See, a triangle has stability when the larger side is at the bottom. What do you expect when you flip it upside down? Things continue to fall over and over and over again. See, the headlines should not surprise us because it's the consequence of declaring that something else is king other than for God. And so the psalmist even says this when he says in verse 5 these words. For all the gods of the nations are idols. Now notice he doesn't say Yahweh. For all the Yahwehs. No, no, no. All the gods, lowercase g, are idols. Here's what's so interesting to me. And let me just sort of peel back some of the linguistic uh, underpinnings here to give you a little flavor of what's going on here. That word gods is the Hebrew word Elohim. It's a plural form, but it's the plural form of the word Elohim. Go ahead and put that up. Elohim. Everyone say Elohim. And it's just God, generic. Nothing special, just God. Here's what's really interesting is that next word, idols, has an interesting little sound to it. Hebrew is a beautiful language because often the word will be used to create a clarity of what it means. The sound symbolizes something. And so you have Elohim, gods, but then you have idols, which is Elilhim. Elilhim. What does that sound like? Well, it sounds like God, but it's not God. Have you noticed that so much of the world, we, we buy into the lie of something that sounds like God. It sounds like it can save. It sounds like it is good. And then you realize it's nothing but an idol. In fact, you know the best translation of that word, Elilim? It's the word nothing. 
We worship idols. What are we worshiping? We're worshiping nothing. Oh, this will save us. Friend, you're just putting your hope in nothing. You've bought the lie that nothing can save you. And guess what? There is only one who can save you. Is it any wonder that we live in such a broken, busted world? And I would say that has seeped into the church because we want to look good on the outside. But why is it that we're so empty on the inside? It's because we have worshipped nothings and so nothing is on the inside. We live in a world that is, the paint is six inches deep, but there's nothing under it. And so the world is falling apart because we've bought the lie and it's upside down. See, here's what happens. Here's what happens when you begin to flip this truth where God is not the king, when the Lord is not our king. What ends up happening is we begin to celebrate and worship other things. So what happens, we begin to worship nature. We think, okay, what's wrong with the world can be fixed if we just have the right leadership. And so we run to politics. Now, I want to be real careful here. I believe the church ought to be involved in every sphere of culture. We do not win by abdicating responsibility and running away into our little hidey holes. But friends, don't you understand that whenever you think that the thing that will save us is a particular person, what have we just done? We have just put a human above the Lord as the one who saves. We've just said this person's our idol. But friend, there is no person who can be your Lord. They're just a nothing Or what about when it comes to the angels? Some of us will say, oh, I know what we need. We just need to understand our inner glory. We need to celebrate um, the spiritual side. So I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. I will manifest. I will think it and it will become. I will look at my vision board. These are simply different ways of putting a spiritual veneer and a worship of the angelic or the spirit world over God. And then others of us in here would say, no, 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 no. The big problem is that our world is falling apart. Maybe it's because of the ecology or maybe it's because we're not taking care of it a certain way. So I know it'll fix it. Let's just, let's just take care of the, 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 the uh, nature. Let's take care of this. Let's fix that. Let's focus on this. Isn't it interesting that when we put anything above God, we will then find ourselves protecting sea turtles more than the unborn. This is the natural result of embracing a lie. But friend, we don't have to say a lie to not tell the truth. So what does it mean? What does it mean to tell the truth? The psalmist is going to give us the good news. You're like, all right, Diggs, let's get to the good news here. All right, here it is. Two things, write this down, we'll move fast. We tell the truth because this is the only way that we'll flip an upside down world right side up. We tell the truth in two ways. One, with our lips and two, with our lives. Our lips... In our lives, we tell the truth with our lips and we tell the truth with our lives. Let's talk about our lips. Did you notice the number of words that are lip-related words? And here you're like, lip words? I don't, uh, where's the lip words? Let me show you. Notice it says, sing, declare, proclaim, ascribe. That means to give with your words. What is he saying? That our words don't simply describe some things, our words express the ultimate truth and the ultimate reality because we don't have to tell a lie. We just have to avoid telling the truth. He says, don't you dare. You proudly celebrate the bigness of God that the Lord is king. You do so by the songs you sing, the things you say. See, for many of us, we are afraid to speak the name of Jesus Christ, but God will give you the power to do so. And here's the great news. I was talking to my buddy Baron between services. Here's the great news. He invites us to tell 
but he's the one who does the work on the other person's heart. The nations need to know, so we tell, but God does the work of changing lives. Does that give anyone else just a little peace this morning? So you tell, and in fact, notice this phrase, proclaim his salvation. Now, that word proclaim, when you hear the word, what do you think of when you hear the word proclaim? Do you think of someone who's like, Jesus, yay, I love him, don't tell anyone. Is that what we hear? See, when I hear the word proclaim, I think of, and it's just the age I grew up in, I think of like medieval knights. I think of the, the crier who runs in front of the king. He's got the trumpet. You know the guy I'm talking about? Usually got some weird hat with a big pompadour thing going on. He runs out, he unscrolls the scroll, and he reads it as the trumpet blasts, the king is coming. Proclaim that God is here and that the Lord is king. But notice it's not just a generic po- proclamation. It's proclaim his salvation. Why? See, we don't just say God is good. We also say we stink. That's what that is implying. Why do you need salvation? Why does Josh Diggs need salvation? Because we stink apart from God. That's there in the Hebrew somewhere. I'm sure of it. We need God, amen? And salvation is the declaration that we can't save ourselves, but there's a God who has. And here's the bad news. We're great at breaking things, but we can't fix it. But the good news, there is a God who sent his son, a man named Jesus, who is more than a man, who died for you and died for me. He went to the tomb, he took our sin, and he left it there. So we now proclaim the good news, salvation. And we don't do it once, but day after day after day after day. Why? Because I forget and the world needs to hear it. So we proclaim it. By the way, one other little thing. Did you notice the very first word in the passage is sing? And I love that opening phrase, sing to the Lord a new song. I love that. Now, don't get me wrong. I love our oldies, but goodies. They're great. But isn't it interesting to consider that every song that is now an oldie was once a new song? Can you imagine the day they rolled out a mighty fortress into the church? A mighty fortress is our God. And someone in the back is going, whoa now, that's just a little too hip for us. (laughs) At one point it was. Now why do we sing a new song to the Lord? Well, Lamentation Lamentation 3 tells us. It says his mercy is new every morning. Why do I sing a new song? It's because I need new songs to capture his new mercies every day. And I pray to the Lord. I want to say this to our young people. I pray for you regularly. And one of the things I pray is that God would give you songs that you would write that we would one day get to sing as a fellowship. That the words that God places on your heart that the Lord is king would be the voice of our church. That we may Renowned to his goodness day after day after day. So we tell the truth with our lips, but also with our lives. See, it's not enough to simply state it if our wives betray a different truth. I love this passage. See, there's something in this next section, this little last section that explains the way that our lives impact what people see. And it's in a very curious way. But did you notice how creation is shown to be involved in proclaiming the bigness of God? Let me show you again in the last few verses. Notice it says, let the heavens, and what's this next word, church? Say it real loud with me. Yeah, rejoice, right? The heavens, how do they do that? 
And then it says, let the earth be glad. Well, how does the earth show that it's glad? Let the sea resound. Well, how is it doing that? And oh, all that is in the sea. So that's dolphins, that's sharks, that's the little mermaid. If she's real, it's all those things. And then it goes on and says, let the fields be jubilant. Well, how does a field get excited? And everything in them. So that's the ant in the field. That's the mouse or the lion or the chimpanzee. It's the birds that fly. All that is created. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. How do they do that? They don't have mouths. They will sing before the Lord for he comes. And the question is, how in the world do they do it? By behaving the way They were designed to behave. Elizabeth Elliot, she was wife to one of the great missionaries of our time, Jim Elliot. He was killed while trying to reach a people group for Jesus. Some years later, Elizabeth, in front of a class of graduate students, said to them, she said, do you know that the clam in the sea, you know the clam, the lowly little clam? She said, it is a better worshiper than you or me or any human in existence. Why? Because the clam only does what the clam was designed to do. It is with its actions declaring the Lord is king. The Lord designed me this way, so I'm going to live this way 100%. See, Josh Diggs often does not live as Josh Diggs was designed. I disappoint myself more than about anyone else. Because I live in a way that is not truthful. I may not tell a lie, but don't you know there's a difference between telling a lie and not telling the truth with your life. See, friends, to live the truth may mean that I have to say no to a natural desire. Natural because of the brokenness of our world. It may mean that I have to live differently than the culture says is okay. It may mean that I do something different than what is expedient or easy in my business or in my marriage or in my friend group. But to live the truth means that I declare with everything in me, God, you designed me this this way. To love my wife, to care for my children, to be an influence in my neighborhood, to in the ways that I work, that I'm generous with my finances, that I'm a servant at heart. And I confess I fall so short so often, but Lord, that is the design. Help me to do that. See, we don't want to lie, but we must tell the truth. And I need to say something about speaking. I need to... Let me talk to the dads just for a second. Ladies, you are wonderful, and I applaud your effort as moms. But let me just talk to the dads for a second. See, men, sometimes our wives, they are in the trenches with our kids. Sometimes because they are stay-at-home moms, which we love. Sometimes because they just kind of jump in there a little bit more when they're off work. And we love that. But I need to say this to you daddies. Daddies, speak the name of Jesus to your children. Don't leave that to your wife. Be the voice that says, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you who the king really is. It is Yahweh. It's not these other voices, children. You be the one who speaks up for who Jesus is. You declare the truth in your home. What a shame it would be to declare the truth to a neighbor, but fail to do so for our children. May we be men who step into this role, for it is this time that we've been called. And I need to say this, your job as a dad, I love you, brother, your job as a dad is to tell your children who Jesus is and prepare them for the world. But what a shame it would be to do a great job of preparing them to face the world and not tell them about the one that they will see after this life. May we be the men who declare the truth that God, the Lord, Yahweh is king and that there is no question in our homes. So we do it with lips 
and with lives. I want to show you one last little part in this verse and we'll call it a morning. There's this one little phrase in verse 8 that I discovered this week that just kind of blew my mind. I want to show it to you, but I need to explain a little bit of culture so it makes sense. In verse 8, the psalmist says, bring an offering and come into his courts. Bring an offering. Now this word offering can mean a lot of things if we don't understand their culture. See, in the Hebrew culture, they brought an offering of a variety of types. They would bring blood sacrifice offerings like a lamb or a goat or a turtle dove. They would bring non-blood offerings such as grain, wine, oil, and other offerings to the Lord. These were different types. I want you to understand when it says bring an offering, this word is referring to the non-blood sacrifice. Bring a grain, a wine, an oil offering. You don't need to bring a blood sacrifice to God. Why? Centuries before, God would send his son Jesus through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This writer wrote this word very specifically and it prophesied that there would come a day when the one blood sacrifice necessary for salvation would be given. That God would send his son Jesus Christ to die for us. And that was the one sacrifice that you and I can't bring to the Lord. I can't pay for my sins, but praise be to God. His blood washes me clean and will wash you clean as well. So our response is we bring a non-blood offering of our hands, of our lives, of our hearts, of our words, of our lips, of our everything, declaring the truth, the Lord is King And that is how you tell the truth. So what do you need to tell this morning? We're going to sing another song here in just a moment. I'm going to invite the team to come up. As they're doing that, though, I want to invite you to consider this one question. Do you need to tell the truth about who God is through your lips more today or through your lives? See, I don't know about you, but for me, I often go from one to the other. Some days it's easier to proclaim God and not show God. And other days it's easier to show him and not proclaim him. What do you need to do? See, I think for so many of us, we need to know who God is, the truth of the Lord. And we need the boldness to tell the truth to the nations. Did you see that phrase? Say it to the family of nations. God wants the family of nations to become part of his family. And the way it happens is when we tell Do you need courage to speak the truth when God opens the door? Then this morning, just say, Lord, help me to unapologetically be the man, the woman who speaks the truth. Now, you don't have to be weird about it. You you don't need to start handing out tracts. How many of you remember what tracts are? Any of you know what that is? You don't have to hand them out. I went to a a public bathroom once, it was a few years ago, and I saw someone put a Christian tract on the urinal, and I thought, well, that's a bad place. Ain't nobody touching that thing. You don't have to do that, but with your lips, when God opens a door, would you simply say, the Lord is king. He loved me enough to save the wretch that I was and bring me to salvation, and he'll do the same for you. Because he loves you, and he'll go before you. Friend, you don't have to go on your own. He'll go before you. Do you need to open your lips? And for others, do you need to show with your lives? Are you living a lie by the way you're living? Today, you can change that. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I'll be in the lobby here in a moment. Come find me. We'll talk about what it means. Because there is one truth above every other truth. The Lord is king. Let's pray together.
May this truth burrow so deep into our souls that it flows through the very bones of our body, out of our mouths, and out of our lives. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters who need the confidence to speak truth to people. Let them do so with grace. Yes, but may they speak truth that the Lord, Yahweh, is King and His Son is our Savior, Jesus. For our siblings in this room that are needing the courage and the Spirit's power to live the truth, I pray that they will not bow any longer to the upside-down nature of this world, but that they will see truth, who they are in light of who you are. May they live that way. And for those who need to know you, Spirit, please do what only you can do. As we saw Sweet Wiley come to faith during first service, I pray that you would bring those in this room who don't know you to faith. Only you can do it. I'm asking that you will. But may we know the truth so that the truth will set us free. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.